Good morning, friends, and welcome to Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how we can show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to wrap up our small series on grief with some final thoughts and words of encouragement for how we can support people who are struggling. Thanks for tuning in. So I wanted to start off with a small anecdote. Over the last uh, couple weeks, it's been really neat, but also hard to watch a community come together to surround a family and friends who, when we lost our student a few weeks ago. And in that particular journey, there are so many people who are experiencing a little bit of um, nervousness or a little bit of unclarity about what is my role? What can I do here? How can I step in? And this is especially evident. I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and there's many who are unclear about how to step in. And so I had a student message me about a week ago and he said, Mrs. West, I really want to reach out and say something, but I don't know what to say. And do you have any words of encouragement? And my response to him was, I know that in almost every case, it's going to be better to say something than to not say something. And one of the the phrases you might be able to use if you want is, is there anything I can do to help? It's a non-intrusive statement. It's saying, I'm here if you need it. I don't know what the best help looks like. Please tell me how I can support you. And I, I think one of the ways that we, um, at least in, in many communities I'm a part of one, of, one of the ways we tend to reach out is through like food gestures. So baking a meal for someone And another way is through maybe monetary donations, if there's like a GoFundMe set up, something to that effect. And those are great gestures. Those are really kind things to do. But the question is, is that what the family is actually in most need of? And so when we ask questions about, is there anything I can do to help? We're opening it up for them to express their needs and opening it up for them to feel hopefully non-intrusive about expressing their needs. And so that's what I encouraged this student to do. I said, it's just a great question to ask. Is there anything I can do to help? And then um, he he messaged me about a day or two later and he said, okay, so my my friend reached out to me and I, and I know he's going through a hard time, but he's so angry. Um, do you have any advice? And I just responded back and I said, well, of course he's angry. Anger is part of the process. He's experienced a, a very big event in his life. And I said, if you're able to create space in which he can be safely angry, I think you would be doing him a really big service. And I said, the few things you have to be aware of is one, the anger's not about you. The anger's not because you're doing it wrong. If he does, in fact, let's say, get intense with you, that would actually be very normal. And I don't think it would be something you would need to necessarily be offended by. So just prepare for it. And if it's helpful for him to have a space, that might be a really nice um, kind of gesture or gift for you to give him. And he messaged back and he said, hey, I always thought anger was really bad. Thank you for letting me know that that's normal. And um, he said, it makes sense to me because when I'm angry and someone just listens, I actually walk away feeling a lot better. And if I don't get punished for it and if I don't get chastised for it, I'm actually going to be doing a lot better. And so that was a space where he was able to like accept that anger is normal. And then he was able to invite his friend to be angry with him and create a safe space. Those types of exchanges during grief can be so beautiful and so restorative and so helpful. Now, Conversely, one of the places where people might go awry 
is when they call or when they do what I call co-opting someone else's experience or taking someone else's narrative on as their own. And I had a very particular anecdote where this happened probably about four or five months back. I was talking to a friend and I was um, giving him a life update and um, he got really emotional when I shared something that was really painful going on in my life and he got kind of overwhelmed with the information. And instead of saying something like, Steph, I'm so sorry, is there anything I can do to help? He instead started saying, well, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what the right words are. I don't think I'm be being a good friend right now. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do here. And he, he was like processing in front of me the fact that he couldn't process the information. And so instead of me, who was going through something hard, receiving his interjection of kindness or receiving his interjection of helpfulness or support, I instead had to reach out to him and say, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm fine. There's nothing you have to say here. We're okay. And it became about managing his pain in the moment and being uh, calmly reassuring for him instead of me being able to have the support that I needed. So I, I and that that's not intended to be selfish and saying, oh, someone did it wrong and they should have done it better. But my point is there are some who are so uncomfortable with grief or with pain that they'll co-opt the experience and they'll make it about themselves. And unfortunately, asking someone who's grieving to comfort you because you don't know what to do in the moment, it's just not helpful. And in fact, it can be a really kind of a disorienting thing for someone in grief to have to process through like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be managing my own self and my own emotions. And now I have to manage you too. It's just not a helpful situation. So in, in most cases, it's better to say something than not to say something. If you don't know what to say, a simple, I'm sorry, that sounds really difficult can be super helpful. Or is there anything I can do to help can also be super helpful. But sitting in it and, and making it about you and making it about your emotions can actually be a pretty um, pretty big way to cause unintentional discomfort, unintentional harm to someone who's already grieving. And so the last piece of encouragement I gave this student is not only showing up now when it obviously makes sense, we're only a few weeks past this really hard event, but keep showing up. And that's really something that is going to distinguish kind of the, the close friends from the more peripheral people or the acquaintances. When we talk through grief, I'm going to go back to information I've referenced in several episodes already. Um, someone who's going through a significant loss is going to navigate what we call the year of firsts. So the first birthday that this person is no longer with them, the first Christmas, the first New Year's, the first uh, even Friendship Day or, or Valentine's Day, if it was a significant other and that was something you celebrated together, the first Easter and the first Fourth, first fourth of July ritual that they're not a part of. So the year of first is a very uh, tangible place where grief might show up again and again. And if you, you are in a crisis, often the first two or three weeks, there's people just inundating you with kindness and with gestures. And then, you know, routine starts to come back into play and, and things start to normalize. And, and then a lot of people in the conflict or who were directly affected by a loss, they have far fewer resources than they did in those first couple weeks. So people stop checking in on them. People um, start start to kind of create distance just because they start to go on their own lives. And the unfortunate piece about that is you have this entire calendar year that's categorically tough. And then you have a second year where you're probably starting to create new rituals and new normals, you know, between the first year and the second year. And it, it's still a pretty significantly painful period. 
So as I'm able at North Point to walk with my students who are going into ministry, one of the things we intentionally talk about in crisis and trauma counseling is you should, if you are in church leadership or you are in a position of authority in the life of someone who's gone through a difficult trial, you really should be checking in with them probably at least monthly and it probably closer to about the two-year mark, not the first couple months, but the first couple years. And we even encourage our students, put it on a calendar. Maybe the 15th of every month, you're sending a quick email or a text or letting, you know, reaching out and saying, is there anything I can do to help? And while that might not be received by everyone, because there are people with a lot of resources that, that will move forward through whatever the new normal is quite um, in, in quite a succinct fashion. For others, that two years is going to be a constant calm reassurance that I get it, it takes time, you're healing, and I'm still here. And that's a beautiful message to be unintrusive and say, you don't need to use my support, but if you need it, I'm here, I'm willing please reach out. And so two years is really something that if you can offer that as a gift to someone, it's beautiful. And then as you get towards the end of two years, you can check in and say, is this still helpful? Or are you ready um, for me to take a step back? Give them the kind of illusion of choice. You know, I can be here or not be here. I can be here more often or less often. Whatever that looks like, it's a beautiful gift to give someone to say, I'm here if you need it. If you don't, that's okay too. And then the, the main point of today's episode, in addition to kind of some of those practical application pieces, the main point is understanding that crises and, and grief and loss are going to show up in our lives. And it is paramount that we live a life that recognizes that. And there's kind of several different avenues to travel down. One is if we understand that loss is going to happen and hard stuff is going to happen, I do feel like we have a... In, intense opportunity every day to build resources to be best equipped during a time of struggle. Um, We have, you know, financial responsibility to understand that big life events happen. And so we have to steward our finances well, and we have to not anticipate that we're going to have some catastrophic event, but a catastrophic event becomes even more complex if there are no financial resources to help us navigate that. Um, physically and emotionally and mentally building resources, understanding that life is difficult and we need to constantly be accruing ways to to be well, that to me is a really big command in my own life because I don't want to be caught in a situation where it gets complicated by poor health, poor mental health hygiene, poor practices. We have a responsibility in seasons of wellness to experience wellness. Hopefully we want that for ourselves, but we also need to really work towards wellness because there are going to be times when we're no longer able to do it and we want to sustain or or persevere through those seasons and we're much better able to do it if we've accrued wellness along the way. And One of the things that really stuck out to me, um, you know, I've mentioned one of my mentors before and just kind of what a loud voice he is in my life. And probably around the time when um, life converged on some, you know, several big themes back in March and April, he had done a short YouTube video on the fact that crisis reveals character. Not that who you are in a crisis is suddenly some morphed version of you and you become a worse version of yourself. But the reality is that when we're in crisis, a lot of our masks fall away and we start to act in a pretty intense way and in a pretty unfiltered way. And if we are not stewarding our our mind, body, spirit, and we are not developing personality and character traits that are strong and resolved and compassionate and kind, it's going to show up in a crisis in a pretty big way. So if we're someone who lashes out at people, 
it's going to show up. If we're someone who, who talks angrily about others, it's going to show up. If we're someone who, when something bad happens to us, we talk about our, our victimhood and we really circle in the camp of how bad things always happen to us, it's going to show up in a crisis. And unfortunately, we, we have to um, recognize that when masks are removed, sometimes some really bad things might show up, um, things that are hard for others to be around. We need to steward our, our ability to cultivate good character traits during seasons of low stress so that during seasons of distress, we have our, our character set in a way that we're not going to lash out and make things horribly uncomfortable. Now, I do want to bracket that by saying back to the last few discussions about grief, things like depression and anger will show up. They absolutely will. But you're still responsible for what you do in those moments. And if you don't have a well-developed character, if you don't work on guarding your your tongue, on, on taking your thoughts captive, on treating your neighbor with kindness and compassion, you're not going to have a lot of space to move in a crisis. Um, and so being more hostile or more depressed, more angry, that actually becomes some people's normal in a crisis because during times of wellness they haven't cultivated a character that helps them navigate the hard stuff well. And so I want to encourage you, if you know that you've got personality quirks to work on, if you know that you um, lash out at people, you really, in seasons of wellness, have an opportunity to cultivate new skills. I highly encourage it because unfortunately, when stuff gets tough, crisis is going to reveal our character. And, and I want you to consider what do you want that character to be? And then the last thing for today is asking for help is so paramount. So I started this off by saying that, you know, someone saying to you, if you're in crisis, is there anything I can do to help? That's so kind, so generous. If you need help, you need to be able to take that generosity and say, actually, yes, I could really use this, or yes, I could really use that. Um, I have a friend who is in surgery recovery, and that's one of the things I had asked her early on. I said, what is something I can do to help? And she said, um, you know, I know my food's taken care of. I know that my uh, physical pain is going to be managed through med management. I know that I have friends who are going to come over and um, help me with kind of day-to-day -day tasks. And she said, it would be really helpful for me if you were able to connect on occasion, just check in on me, and maybe we could just have some normal conversation. So right now, I just kind of need a friend who's checking in on me. That was very clear to me what my role could be in that situation, and that was really helpful for her from what she's shared with me to understand that I would be checking in with her and she wouldn't have to worry about tasking. She wouldn't have to worry about, you know, describing her pain to me. She wouldn't have to worry about, um, you know, me bringing meals over and stuff. She was just going to have a friend show up. She communicated that well to me. I can fill that particular request. And so if you're able to ask people for help, that is going to really do an, a number on um, keeping you as well as possible in the, in the throes of a crisis. When you say things like, I'm fine, when you say things like, I don't need anything, but you really do need something, you have to understand many people are going to step back and say, okay, they said they're fine, I don't know what to do, but it's because we're not mind readers, we can't understand what deficits you're experiencing. So if you do need help, it's really on you to advocate for that and let those closest to you know what they can do to help best. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much if you've been willing to follow along this far. Again, if you do know someone in crisis or if you are navigating a crisis with someone, these are just some practical things to keep in mind as you walk forward into your own journey or with someone through a difficult time.
I do encourage you to tune in on Wednesday. It's going to be a topic that maybe people get a little uncomfortable with, but I feel it's a, a necessary topic, and that is what is the drawback of sitting in your own victimhood? And I'd love for you to come join me with that. If you're willing to like, follow along, give us a share, give a review, all of those things are so helpful. Thank you so much and enjoy your day.